Speech Matters podcast, our latest episode where we are discussing everything from the strange to the bizarre. My name is Eric, and I'm joined today by Sean and Ethan. And today's topic of discussion is apocalyptic events. As I'm sure we're all aware, the apocalyptic craze has been gaining a ton of momentum over the last several years brought popularity by TV shows like the Doomsday Preppers, Walking Dead, Walking Dead. Yep. Everybody's preparing for the apocalypse. This should have happened three years ago, but yeah, the Mayans were a little off. But it's we're romanticizing it at this point. People actually want the apocalypse to occur. Nonetheless, um, let's go ahead and get started. All right, so I'm gonna jump us off with our first apocalyptic event. And I'm going to be talking all about Gamma Ray Burst. So Gamma Ray Burst, most of y'all probably haven't heard of it, but they are pretty scary. So it's an example of an interstellar event that could cause an apocalypse on Earth. So basically it's just an intense flash of gamma rays lasting anywhere from a few milliseconds up to a few hours. And these bursts are the brightest electromagnetic events known to occur in the entire universe. Now, gamma rays are a type of radiation of an extremely high frequency, and its high-energy photons are very dangerous to biological organisms. Would that be visible, though? No. You, you said it would be the the brightest explosion or whatever. Uh, no. Brightest uh, second only to Ethan's pale paste. <laughs> <laughs> it's the brightest electromagnetic event, not visual. Okay. Anyways, yes, yeah, so if this kind of event were to hit our planet with such an intense amount of gamma rays it would have a big impact on Earth. Gamma ray bursts, they're not a wide explosion in space, like you would think of a supernova, for example, but they're actually more of a tightly beamed event. So the energy doesn't expand in all directions like an explosion. It's more focused. Yeah, exactly. It's more focused, narrow jet that either happens in one or in opposite polar directions from the initial burst. So yeah, so the, their effects are more focused, more like a laser beam than a bomb, for example. Hence probably ray. Straight line. Exactly. Eh? Yep. Flashback to physical science. <laughs> <laughs> so as for how often these events happen, orbiting satellites detect on average approximately one gamma ray burst per day. So while that may sound like a lot, nearly all of them are at such a great distance that they could never do us any harm at all. However, it is estimated that gamma ray burst close enough to affect life on Earth in some way has occurred around a thousand times since life on Earth began. In fact, a gamma ray burst originating from a hypernova within 6,000 light years of Earth may have caused a mass extinction event 450 million years ago. In theory, a 10 second burst hitting the planet from this event would have stripped the Earth's atmosphere in half of all of its ozone almost immediately, exposing surface dwelling organisms, including those responsible for planetary photosynthesis, to high levels of radiation. So, where exactly are these uh, occurring? Well, I mean, except for some very rare exceptions, most gamma ray bursts come from other galaxies. Most are actually observed coming from some of the most distant galaxies in the known universe. The closest gamma ray burst known to date is still over 100 million light years away, and most of them come from billions of light years away. So with that distance in mind, to for these events to even outshine our own galaxy's closest stars in the sky kind of shows just how powerful these events are. So just to give an example to kind of help you comprehend how powerful these gamma ray bursts are, it would take our sun 880 billion years to put out the same energy as a typical gamma ray burst. So it kind of sounds impossible. It's because it actually is. 
to put that in comparison, our sun will only live to be about 10 billion years, and our universe is only about 12 billion years old. So, that's... so, so you said that it would take the sun 880 billion years to put out the same energy as one gamma burst? Yes. And the sun will only live to be... 10 billion years old. 10 billion years old. Yes. And you said the... The, the universe is only 12 billion. Oh, 12 billion. Okay. I'm on track now. Okay. So it's impossible. Uh, yeah, theoretically. So if a gamma ray burst were to occur within the Milky Way and its emissions were beamed straight towards Earth, the effects would be obviously devastating. So basically, what would happen if a gamma ray burst were to hit Earth? If Earth was on the receiving end of a direct hit from a gamma ray burst, it could absolutely cause an apocalyptic event for the human race. The two main deadly effects that this burst would have on Earth is destroying a large part of the ozone and just barraging the living organisms with intense and fatal radiation. So to give an example, the star system WR104, which is at a distance of 8,000 light years, is theorized to be a danger to cause a gamma ray burst directed near Earth. So if this were to happen, we might be able to detect this energy blast coming in time before it actually reaches us, but there would be absolutely no way to protect our planet. Yeah, I was about to say, and what good does that do you? It doesn't. If you can detect it. I mean, oh, it oh, wait, uh, we're about to fry. It yeah, up. I mean, it's kind of scary just thinking that thousands of these gamma ray bursts are just crisscrossing the galaxy, and we can kind of, you know, we're detecting them at a distance, but if one were to actually come straight towards us, there's nothing at all we can do uh, about it. So... My understanding about gamma rays is that they can penetrate just about anything. So is are people on the other side of the Earth when this gamma ray blast occurs protected? Yeah, pretty well. Let, let me get to that. I'm glad you brought that up. So basically, the people who are on this side of the planet facing the gamma ray burst, they would observe a extremely bright blue flash in the atmosphere for a few seconds. And basically, that's all it takes, and the damage is already done. In as little as 10 seconds, the gamma ray burst would deplete over 25% of the world's ozone layer and would cause extreme temperature swings across the planet. The side of the Earth that's facing the blast would receive pretty much lethal radiation exposure, which caused, you know, intense radiation sickness in the short term and in the long term result in serious impacts of life due to ozone layer depletion. Just stripping the, the ozone layer would cause extreme temperature swings across the planet, result in mass extinction, food chain depletion, and mass starvation. So, I mean, people on the other side would be shielded from the radiation, but not from the effects of the ozone being stripped away from the planet. So, yeah, you're, you're toast, like... So nobody can survive. No. Basically. I mean, it would kind of turn Earth into a slightly more livable version of, like, Mercury, I guess, where it just, we have, just most of our ozone is stripped away. Some parts of the planet might be safe, but for the majority, yeah, it would basically just kill all manners of living organisms. So if you are a doomsday prepper, unless you're very wealthy and you have a lot of preparations in place, there's no purpose for preparing for a gamma ray burst. Yeah, that's not on the, the top of the list of apocalypse you want to wish for. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much on the bottom. So yeah, in short, just a hit from a gamma ray burst would cause mass extinction over a wide range of living organisms and it would turn our planet into a hostile living environment for millions of years to come. So basically though, the odds of this happening would be like catching a fly with chopsticks. I mean, we all know Mr. Miyagi could do it, yeah. but it's probably pretty difficult and not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's people theorize that it's happened a few times, 
like I said, there was that one mass extinction event that they thought could be caused by a gamma ray burst, but that was 400 million years ago. So I th- hopefully we're safe. I'll say that. <laughs> well, I said we might be able to detect it in time, so we'll have a you know maybe a few days to prepare ourselves for the the doom what, to what, come. Kiss your ass goodbye. Pretty much Ma- make amends with the enemies that you may have had. Uh, yeah. yeah. Although <laughs> if you listen to our Roswell episode, you probably can't count on the government to tell us the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice plugin. All right, yeah. So that is gamma ray burst. And it's definitely a scary aspect, just that some random burst in the sky could hit Earth and basically kill everyone. And that burst could come from billions of light years away. This episode's already putting me in a great mood. Yeah. it's <laughs> Alright, so that is one of my favorite apocalyptic events. Let's throw it over to Ethan. What do you got? Alright, so I've uh, created something of my own using various scenarios I call it the perfect storm, and mainly it deals with kind of the same thing that you were going with, with gamma rays, but it's more more reasonable with solar flares and storms from the sun, uh, tacked on with some geomagnetic reversal, and then some just a, uh, a consequence that can occur. From those two put together, so you're just throwing everything out there. I'm just like I told you, it's the perfect storm. That's like if I added, you know, dinosaur uprising to Gamma Burst, <laughs> just just adding one extra thing just to screw over the human race. <laughs> so the dinosaurs take care of a lot of things before then themselves are then extinct yeah. due to the the Gamma Burst. All right, so let's hear about your perfect storm here. All right, so let, let's start it off with the the solar uh, eruption or storm or flare, whatever you want to say. Okay. So a solar flare, as we all know, is a sudden flash of brightness observed over the sun's surface, and it's a massive energy release. Solar storms, which are much bigger than just your little solar flare, begin with an explosion, usually above a sunspot, which are places of strong men- where strong magnetic fields poke through the surface of the sun. Uh, these fields can become unstable and then explode, unleashing the equivalent of 10 billion hydrogen bombs. <laughs> uh, they are often but not always followed by uh, a mass ejection. So that's your flare that's kind of right. shot out there. And then uh, this flare ejects a billion ton cloud of gas, which billows away from the blast site. And this cloud of electrons, ions, and atoms erupt through the corona of the sun into space. Corona being the surface? Yes, that's that's what I like to... Yeah, solar... These solar flares are kind of... Even look online, there's like videos of, you know, close-ups of solar flares, and there's pictures comparing, like, they'll take a picture of a solar flare and put Earth in the picture, and just to show how big these storms are, like, Earth is just you could fit like 20 Earths into one of these flares. So it's, it's, these things are massive. Mm-hmm. So do these, these happen frequently? Uh, uh, so we had a uh, powerful solar eruption in 2012, which in, uh, impacted the Earth to an extent. Uh, this incident was unusually large and strong enough, or strong, it had a strong ejection that occurred July 23rd, 2012. It missed the Earth with a margin of approximately nine days. 
The strength of the eruption was comparable to an 1859 event that caused damage to electric equipment worldwide, which at that time consisted mostly of telegraph stations. That's big technology right there. So if this had occurred in 2015, everybody's iPods and TVs and cars and everything would have been totally shut down. Yes. Well, another thing, back to the 2012 one, if this one actually hit us, the estimated cost would have been uh, almost $3 trillion. Yeah. I mean, it would just fry every electrical... (laughs) U.S. government could spot that. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a 12% chance of this happening again in the next decade. So these are pretty pretty high chance. These are pretty uh, frequent. Yeah. So I'm going to pair that with a uh, geomagnetic reversal. Try saying that multiple times quickly. (laughs) Alright, so uh, a geomagnetic reversal, uh, as we all know, the Earth has a magnetic field around it, as well as other planets. Uh, these are generated by uh, the dy- dynamo action, which is uh, a convection of molten iron uh, in the Earth's core, and these generate electric currents, which in turn give us a magnetic field. Right. Uh, most estimates for the duration of a polarity transition, so the time it takes for the poles to fully switch, so that your north is your south, yeah. your south is your north, is between 1,000 and 10,000 years. So do you know when the last time the, the poles were switched? Uh, it was roughly about 780,000 years ago. Okay, so still a long time ago. Yeah, still a long time ago, but there are some recent estimates that they are as quick as a human uh, lifetime. Okay. So yeah. it can happen... Let's say a hundred years to just yeah. just ballpark it. Uh, some scientists think that geomagnetic reversals are not spontaneous process, but, but rather triggered by external events that directly disrupt the flow of the Earth's core. Uh, such things are your your plate tectonics with earthquakes and all that. That's uh, the big one. Mm-hmm. So the, this pole switching would cause a lot of earthquakes and. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I would say that the geomatic re- uh, reversal can be caused by oh, plate okay, tectonics. Okay, okay. Uh, so during the geomatic reversal, magnetic fields around the Earth are weakened. So guess what? You're more, more, more susceptible to solar activity during this time. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you, you would need the poles to start reversing and then the solar flare to get the maximum damage output. Exactly. That, that's where I'm going with this. Very clever. <laughs> so you have those two. And then as we mentioned earlier, that solar flares in general can cause a lot of damage. Yeah. So wh- where I'm going with this is maybe it won't kill us right away. Yeah. But then you tackle on to where it fries all of our electronics and it sends our ass back to the Stone Age. Right, yeah. we Where uh, at this generation or this time, we're not uh, adept to... We're not equipped to... What will we do without our TVs? <laughs> I was going to say, if you if you take, yeah, today's generation, you know, people in their 20s or 30s, take away their computers, their phones, you know, their ability to look up anything online and just throw them into a world without any sort of power, you know. Although I'm sure many of us and many of our listeners are currently now listening to us on computers would very much look forward to that sort of an event. So this is kind of 
the the event that you just described is kind of an ideal situation for the average doomsday. I was going to say, yeah, if, you, if you're hoping for the apocalypse, this is where the world itself isn't damaged, but just the 21st century. Basically, you wake up, you don't have to go to work. All you have to do is go kill a squirrel <laughs> and eat it. Well, the thing is, it's going to create, you know, things happen in the world today where, you know, somebody is shot. And it sends people into a frenzy where they start looting and everything. So that I mean, yeah, people would freak out. People would yeah, freak yeah. out. I mean, people who are more adept to surviving. These people, the weaker people, are going to see this and they're going to attack these people to get their resources. Yeah. I so would just—it's going to turn to a free for all. You would yeah. just need to head into the woods or something. If you're in like a major city without power and everyone's just freaking out, that's not good. Definitely beats gamma rays, though. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> it's more plausible. It's more plausible and it's uh, more livable. So <laughs> more livable. So Ethan's perfect storm is a uh, yeah a doomsday prepper's uh, dream, but uh, <laughs> still pretty scary. So the next um, apocalyptic event is nuclear war, and this is a, an apocalyptic event that has been popularized in many. Um, movies, for example, Some of All Fears with Morgan Freeman, and ever since the days of the Cold War, this is becoming uh, more and more popular of a concept. Um, so in this event, a breakout of war or conflict between several superpowers results in the use of nuclear warhead detonations over multiple locations of Earth. This could result in the destruction of human life and could also lead to a breakdown of society due to dangerous fallouts and possible nuclear winter. And if anybody listened to the recent presidential debates, um, a lot of people were talking about um, World War III with ISIS and everything that's been going on in the Middle East. So this is something that's definitely on the forefront of everybody's um, list of important things. I mean, this is pretty much the only like man-made apocalyptic event really pretty much yeah this is like the only way that we could take ourselves down i mean the earth would probably be okay after a while but we would wipe ourselves out so nuclear physicists and theorists have speculated that nuclear war could result in the end of modern civilization on earth due to the immediate effects of nuclear fallout loss of a large amount of modern technology due to an electromagnetic pulse or emp or the hypothetical effects of a nuclear winter so there are several different direct effects of nuclear war. Most of the immediate deaths and injuries from a nuclear war would be due to the blast itself, shockwaves, and intense heat of each explosion in the immediate location of the blast radius of nuclear explosion. In the next few days, exposure to fallout deposited downwind of explosions at or near the surface of the Earth would cause radiation sickness and prolonged health risks. If that was to happen, you'd almost wish that you were just blown away in the yeah, blast. Yeah, I would well, rather. I want to be ground zero, where that bomb, like the bomb came from the sky and it landed on me. I want to be that guy. Yeah, I mean, when you see pictures of guys who have intense radiation and their skin is just falling off their bones, that's just yeah. I would rather just be vaporized than have to live in agony for several days. Yeah, and so to give everybody kind of a, a interesting thing to think about as we discuss nuclear war. Um, the United States and Russia currently possess the most nuclear weapons 
the United States possesses 8,500 nuclear warheads, and Russia currently possesses 11,000 nuclear warheads. Um, some other countries, the, the next biggest collection of nuclear weapons is France, who has 300, and then China, the UK, Israel, Pakistan, and India, and also North Korea is now um, in the running. So the number of people killed would, by a nuclear blast would be significantly higher if major population centers in large cities around the world were bombed, or if the cores of many nuclear power plants were dispersed. However, the number of casualties would be lower if substantial numbers of nuclear weapons were used on military targets instead, or if more than minimal civil defense measures were used. Um, so global fallout, basically the main effect of long-term fallout would be an increase in the rate of cancer and genetic defects by a small percentage. Um, so as Sean was talking about earlier, this would be kind of the effect that you would not want to happen to you. Um, I mean, global fallout, or bleh. so getting cancer and all these genetic defects is kind of the, you'd rather be killed by the blast itself. Yeah. Um, but tens of millions might be affected worldwide over a period of many decades. Fortunately, though, this would provide no threat to the long-term survival of the human species. Yeah. So it kind of just be the people caught in the intermediate um, blast range would get the all the bad side effects, these cancers and just this radiation sickness, but well, it depends on how many blasts you have, too. If you're talking full-out nuclear war, I would assume that it wouldn't stop at one blast. We're talking unleashing yeah. your nuclear but arsenal. If, yeah, I mean, you say, like, maybe in America, if 20 nukes hit, like, our major cities, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people might die in the few weeks of the blast. But maybe people in the Midwest or just people out in the rural areas would not be as effective. What about uh, nuclear fallout, though? Well, yeah, that's that's what I mean. Send the, the that's more send the world into an ice age. Yeah, I mean that depends on kind of weather patterns, but um, yeah, I mean, but it's not as it's not a complete apocalyptic event. I think humans still have the ability to survive if you're smart and if you're lucky in where your location is. And that's kind of what I was going to talk about next is this concept of a nuclear or atomic winter. This is basically a hypothetical climatic effect of nuclear war. So climate models suggest that the ignition of 100 nuclear blasts that are comparable in intensity to that observed in Hiroshima back in World War II would produce a small nuclear winter. The burning of these firestorms would result in the injection of soot into the Earth's stratosphere, producing an anti-greenhouse effect which would lower the Earth's surface temperature. With the models concluding that the size of this effect from the cumulative products of hundreds of these firestorms would unmistakably cool the global climate by approximately one degree Celsius for two to three years. That doesn't sound like much, but even just that little bit on average or spreading around the world would have a pretty big effect. Definitely. And actually a study presented at the annual meeting of the American Geophysical Union in 2006 found that even a small-scale regional nuclear war could disrupt the global climate for a decade or more. I mean, yeah, you think of just one region, because, I mean, a lot of people get, you know, a certain group of food or some kind of product from just one region. Yeah. And 
you know, if you were to wipe out, you know, even just, you know, one country or something, that would have a big impact on the rest of the world. Exactly. And we, especially as Americans, are so dependent on getting our food and things from the grocery store, which seems to be an, an everlasting supply of food. I mean, we don't actually realize that all those vegetables we're buying, or some of us are buying, are actually having to be grown on farms. Yeah. So. And a lot of in other countries, too, South America or some of the islands, yep. Um, in 1990, in a paper entitled Climate and Smoke, an Appraisal of Nuclear Winter, this paper gives a more detailed description of the short and long-term atmospheric effects of nuclear war. So in the first one to three months, up to 25% of soot ejected into the stratosphere after the nuclear explosion is immediately removed by precipitation, while the rest is transported over the globe in the next couple of weeks. The temperatures for summertime would drop to about 71 degrees Fahrenheit in the mid-latitude areas, whereas in humid climates it would be about 50 degrees Fahrenheit, and a 25% decrease in rainfall in the mid-latitude areas. In winter, the temperature would drop to about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Over the next couple of years, land temperatures globally would be several degrees below normal. Ocean surface temperatures would change to about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. An ozone depletion of 50% would lead to 200% increase in UV radiation over the entire surface. So, watch out pale people. Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) These environmental changes, though having adverse effects throughout the world, would not cause the world to become a hostile and unlivable place, contrary to popular opinion on So despite all the risks and dangers of nuclear disasters, it is important to know on this subject that despite the modern high civilization being at risk, and assuming nuclear weapons stockpiles at the previous Cold War heights, analysts and physicists have found that billions of humans would nevertheless survive a global thermonuclear war. Just hopefully if anybody survives, it's me. (laughs) In a published research article called Critique of Nuclear Extinction by Brian Martin, he debunks some of the popular myths about nuclear war and its ability to cause an apocalypse. The available evidence suggests that a major global nuclear war, one involving the explosion of most of the nuclear bombs that exist, would kill 400 to 450 million people, mostly in the U.S., Europe, and the Soviet Union, and to a lesser extent, China and Japan. So that's like, what, 8% of the human race? Yeah, that's like half a billion people, and there's about 7 billion people on, on Earth. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, that, that'd probably, most of those hundreds of millions would probably just be in the main cities worldwide that are dropped by. But we don't have to worry about the Soviet Union. Why is that? Because they don't exist anymore. Ha! <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, people are afraid of nuclear bombs, but I mean... If you look into the research, it's very unlikely that a complete apocalyptic event could happen from nuclear war, but it could definitely kill a, you know, hundreds of millions of people at least and destroy a lot of the major cities. It would definitely screw up society, but I mean if you think about it, the main areas that are being targeted are mostly going to be along the east coast in in the United States, so the heavily populated areas. Yeah. All right, so that's it for nuclear war. I'm going to talk about our last apocalyptic event of the night, and that is going to be a supervolcano eruption. 
Um, so by definition, a supervolcano is any volcano capable of producing a volcanic eruption volume greater than a thousand cubic kilometers of magma, which is about 240 square miles. So volcanoes of this magnitude are very rare, fortunately for us, because any massive eruption could have serious consequences for human life. It is estimated that there have been around 10 supervolcanic eruptions that we can record in recent Earth's history. And luckily for us humans, all such eruptions of this category occur between tens of thousands to millions of years ago. So if you want to know where these supervolcanoes are, the known locations of supervolcanoes include several in the United States, namely several in the Yellowstone hotspot area, located in Idaho and Wyoming, as well as in Colorado. Elsewhere around the world, there are supervolcanoes in Indonesia, Chile, New Zealand, and Argentina. Are these in the U.S.? classified as active or are they basically dead they're i mean i don't think they're active they're just capable of producing a super volcanic eruption so they're, they're beyond dormant but i want to say they're is, dormant it's just yellowstone is active i believe right but i it's, mean it's not actively spitting out smegma yeah or ma- <laughs> i mean it's not actively out magma but it is active i believe it can erupt at any moment Right, I mean, it just, you can't predict these kind of things. I mean, they have sensor to detect when it's coming, like, right before it happens, but there's, you can't predict. There's that notice again. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> you just don't know when these things are going to happen. Hello, America, you're about to die. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that there are several in America is a bit troublesome to think about for us, just because, even though we're far away, we'd still definitely feel the effects. The largest volcanic eruption in the last 25 million years was at Lake Toba, located in present-day Indonesia. This eruption is estimated to have occurred around 70,000 years ago and ejected 2,800 square kilometers of ash and lava into the air. So the Toba catastrophe hypothesis holds that this event caused a global volcanic winter that lasted 6 to 10 years and deposited an ash layer 6 inches thick over the entire South Asian landmass. This gargantuan eruption is theorized to have caused a genetic bottleneck by reducing the global human population at the time to as low as 3,000 surviving individuals. So it's scary to think of this one eruption almost caused the extinction of the human race at that point on the planet. So there are several dangers of a current supervolcano eruption and its effects could potentially cause an apocalyptic world. If a supervolcano were to erupt today, it could potentially cause what is called a volcanic winter, which is similar in effect to a nuclear winter, which Eric was talking about before. Such an eruption would release huge amounts of explosive debris and other materials into the atmosphere, which could partially block out the sun and cause such a volcanic winter. And we will fight in the shade. <laughs> a, s- <clears throat> a similar event happened in 1816 following the eruption of Mount Tambora, causing the so-called year without a summer. Uh, basically, this event caused the average Earth temperature to dip slightly and cause an agricultural disaster. Currently, such an enormous eruption from any supervolcano would cause the immediate deaths of potentially millions of people located in the immediate blast radius around the eruption, and perhaps billions of deaths worldwide due to the drastic changes in weather patterns and resulting in major crop failures, causing starvations on a massive scale never before seen in the present developed world. Will this have the same effects, the exact same effects as a nuclear winter? It's very similar between supervolcanoes. Minus the radiation. Right. It's very similar. Um, and we, 
But we say that the, it's possible based on location to survive this. I'm going to say this. All right, so the 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 biggest Sarbama, I believe, is the largest explosion that humans have been able to achieve. It was a nuclear bomb that Russia had. Which and was a hydrogen bomb, right? I believe so. And that is it is a fraction of the power that a supervolcano has. So you you really can't compare these two. Super, a supervolcano would be like hundreds of bombs exploding in the exact same place. That would leave a mark. Definitely, yeah. I mean, especially in that region of the world. It would pretty much just decimate whatever region of the world that these supervolcanoes go off on. So to answer Ethan's question, though, I think what's going the the similarity between the nuclear war and the supervolcano is that this anti greenhouse effect where ash and such right. ejected into the atmosphere and blocking out the UV rays yeah, from the causing sun. A, a, a drop in temperature. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, is it causing the same drop though? Because I could live in those conditions, or is it? Uh, it's probably more drastic than. So a, we're talking below zero. Right. Yes. Absolutely. So this this would produce a climate where no crops can grow, and so this would knock us into the ice age. Well, you think? I mean, and plus, I mean, I don't know about not ice age, but it would drop the temperatures below where most crops wouldn't have time to adapt to survive. Right. And not to mention the, like I said before, you'd have with the last um, super volcano, you had six inches of ash deposited around, and that would just you know blanket and just kill everything, all the plants that it that it uh, landed on. Um, despite all that, fortunately for us on Earth, the chance of any supervolcanic eruption is incredibly rare. Seeing as there has not been one in tens of thousands of years, now the nearest threat to us here on the where we are on the East Coast would be an eruption at Yellowstone, the last of which occurred over half a million years ago. So scientists predict that the yearly probability of another eruption can be approximately 1 in 730,000, or that equates to 0. 0.00014%. Well, you know what? There's a better chance of that happening than me winning the lottery. That's true. So, yeah, you have more chance of winning millions and of the world ending. So, I mean, yeah, this probably is roughly similar to that of a asteroid hitting the Earth that would cause a apocalyptic event. So, both of those are kind of hand in hand. But we already have a failsafe for asteroid attack. Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. There we go. <laughs> I don't know about Super Bowl. I mean, we did have a, what is it, Pierce Brosnan? All those volcano movies volcano, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we got things planned for this. We got, yeah, yeah, we're ready. We got we got the superhumans to take care of us and all these apocalyptic events. So we're just screwed on gamma burst and things yeah. that we can't control, that we can't see. We just gotta pray, yeah, pray that a gamma ray burst doesn't hit us. Anything else, our actors can take care of. <laughs> yeah, so that is our episode on apocalyptic events. I'll ask you guys which one scares you the most out of all the ones that you've heard or can theorize about i'll be honest i think gamma ray burst scares me the least because if i'm gonna see a flash of light and then spontaneously die i'm not really gonna for all i know it's jesus and he's taking me to heaven so um i think the one that scares me the most is probably the and i have dwelled on this thought before but probably the super volcano because not only would there be a delay between the moment when I realize something's wrong and the end effect, but the idea of freezing to death yeah. sounds pretty terrible. Or just starving to death from... Or starving to death from... Like, yeah. Exactly. What about you, Ethan? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be frightened too much about a gamma burst because I would think that's pretty 
quick and painless. Well, it depends on what side of the Earth. If you're on the opposite opposite side of the Earth when it then hits, then you lose the ozone and the sun radiation gets to you, and you die pretty much immediately. You you basically bake the Earth, and you pretty much yeah. die. You, you it would, I you think would, you would burn to death, or, or not burn to death, but you would like burn. Yeah. Burst into frames. Well, you would get radiation flames. You would get radiation sickness and slowly die from that. So that would, or a star from the. Yeah, so that's basically. I mean, all these are are bad. I, I don't know. I can't think of. I can't pick out one particular one. Nuclear war is probably scary, but I don't think that's likely to happen in this current scene right now. But yeah, just if we were on higher alert, I'd be pretty scared of that. Red alert. You can say that. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> Sound the sirens. Let's go, boys. All right, so that is our episode on apocalyptic events, all about the end of the world. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you have any comments or suggestions, you can hit us up on our website, strangematterspodcast.com. If you uh, want to hit us up on email, you can get us at strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page if you want to connect with us on that. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave a rating and review. It really helps us promote the podcast. And we are also on Stitcher now, so you can listen to us on both those apps. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next time on the Strange Matters podcast. Good night, everybody. See you later, guys. Take care.